Let me pray again briefly, follow Kent's lead there. We'll go from there. Father, thanks for loving us, giving us a future and a hope. Thanks for saving us, Lord, when we didn't know we needed saving. Uh, Father, thanks that our future is grander and more glorious than our past, and that, Lord, that certainty rests on you, your power, your integrity, and your word, and we rest in that. And, Lord, ask that you would give each of us a sense this morning of your priorities, not just for this church, but for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I am thrilled with the weather. We've had this end of the week. You know, it's been, it's really been a nice summer, right? I mean, it hasn't really been all that hot. Uh, we've had some nice rains, but man, fall, I'm ready. And so summer officially ended, and the summer, did I say officially? You know, the Labor Day weekend, right? A week ago or so. Summer's over, and the school session is restarting, and a lot of what the church does, a lot of what this church does follows the school year calendar. We pretty much run on semesters, fall semester, winter or spring semester, and summer as well. And this is a pivotal Sunday. It's an opportune Sunday to talk about uh, where this church has been, where we're at today, and where we're heading. And just a proviso on the front end related to this, this is information-heavy and Bible-light. And this is not the norm. We're usually Bible-heavy, maybe. I don't know if we could say information-light or not, but you'll, you may need to pay attention. But the elders, especially in, in talking about this this morning, uh, felt that the information was worth communicating to everyone on Sunday morning so that we're all on the same page. So if you've been here not very long at all, uh, consider this an orientation. You showed up at school and this is an orientation class. And if you've been here for a long time, hopefully, at least on the front end, nothing I'm sharing will be new to you, but hopefully it reinforces some things that you already know. The biggest thing we want to talk about, though, this morning is where we're heading, some of the things that will affect your future and mine coming up. There's a passage in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 uh, when David was getting the kingdom. And, you know, Saul and his sons are gone, and David's going to come into the full inheritance of the kingdom God had told him he would lead. And so in this effort, each of the tribes are sending a group of people to David to help establish this fledgling kingdom. And this text says one thing or another about how many came from this tribe and what did they bring and what were they capable of. And a passage that has always struck me and that I've always aspired to, 1 Chronicles 12.32 says this, Issachar is not a tribe that you're used to hearing anything about in the Bible besides, you know, maybe the, the mention in Genesis. But it says, of the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times with the knowledge of what Israel should do. So what these guys brought to David was a wisdom about contemporary settings and what the best way was for David to get his kingdom up and going. And so the leaders of the church want to be sensitive in a way that's timely, in a way that provides wisdom going forward. And that's sort of the things that we're talking about this morning. Hopefully you have a study sheet with you and a bulletin. If you don't, I'm sure there's plenty more in the back. You can get one here as we roll forward. I want to start by just covering a little bit of our history. And in this, I mean our spiritual DNA. This is the things, if you've been here for a while and anything I say here is new, then we've been failing to communicate well. If you're new, though, this gives you a sense of who we are and what inspires us. On the front end of this, a real and vital relationship with the Lord. This sounds like a no-brainer, but it's not. You know, still today, a lot of people will go to church to go to church. A generation ago, going to church was a social custom. I might not believe a lot of what that church taught, but I would still go to church as the right thing to do. We're really not interested in you guys showing up here to go to church. I don't think you'll be happy here just going to church. We really want to inspire, and our bottom line really is that people come to faith in Christ, and that is spiritual life. And having come to faith in Christ and entered into life, it's to grow in that. And when you read throughout the Old Testament, the Bible survey class, we've been through this over and over and over again. It says, when God would act, that they would know that I am God. And it's in the knowledge, the personal knowledge of God, that is life. That's what Jesus said in John seventeen three. 
you know, just before the crucifixion, he said to his own and through them to us that this is eternal life. It's a life that never ends, one. But qualitatively, he said, real life is to know God and the one God sent, Jesus Christ. So really, the thing that undergirds everything we do is this hope that people are hearing the gospel, they're coming into faith, and therefore into that relationship in life, but then that they're growing, that we don't want to just be satisfied that we know that we're going to heaven when we die. That's a great start. That's the only start to have, right? We know we're going to heaven when we die. But more than that, that we're growing in knowing God, and that is whereby we get that sense of life that we overflow to others as well. Psalm 1 says uh, much of the same thing. You know, it says the godly man there in Psalm 1, he turns away from a certain number of things, but he trusts in the Lord. And it describes his life as this tree planted by water. It's always green. It's always bearing fruit. That's what we want for anybody that calls Lion and Lamb their church home. That would be the starting point. If you've been here any time, you know that knowing and doing God's Word is a big deal. And the emphasis here is on both knowing and doing. We talk about read the Bible, and that ends up being code, you know, a phrase that hopefully it's a loaded phrase to you, that it means not just that we read the Bible, that we memorize it, we meditate on it, we consider what that means for us, how we are supposed to implement those things that we're reading or hearing or learning. In John 13, again, that last night of Jesus' earthly life before the crucifixion, he got up amongst all his guys there, the apostles, and he washed their feet. And he told them that he was leaving them an example that they were to follow. And he said, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. You've got to know what the call is, what you're supposed to do. Jesus says you're supposed to serve each other. And then you're blessed, you're successful, you have joy in the sense of life when you follow through and do them, do these things. Most of us will probably always know more than we actually do, but the blessing is in the doing. It's in implementing it, and that's where transformation occurs in our life. James 1, verses 22 through 25, talk about this same topic. James says sometimes we're like the guy in the morning. We get up, maybe we shave, we put on our makeup, but we're looking at the mirror. And when we turn and we go away, we forgot what we saw. And James says, well, sometimes we open God's Word or we hear it on Sunday morning or a home group on Wednesday night or whatever. We heard it, we're thinking about it, we're seeing it, but then we turn, we go away as if we'd never seen that image as if there's nothing for us to do. And James warns us about people who see the word, hear the word, but don't do it, don't follow through and do it. We take God's word seriously, and that really means that we have to be willing to implement what God says in our life. Sometimes this is highly uncomfortable, and it requires humility and real change over time, but that's the call, and that's what we want to be doing as a church. Kent mentioned this third one there on your study sheet, Uh, particularly men in servant leadership, but, you know, in the culture that we're in, um, by and large, there's a sense of uh, um, men and women are interchangeable. And there's some ways in which that's true, of course, and there's other ways in which in God's economy that was never meant to be the case. That, um, you know, in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we say, as the Orthodox always have, that they are three, God, uh, three persons in one God. And they're all equally God, but they all have distinct roles. So there's no sense that one member is greater than the other members of the Trinity, but they complement themselves in the roles, the unique roles that each one has. And that's what God has always meant for men and women. So when we, we, we're talking about taking something back that I think the culture has poo-pooed or pushed to the side, that God means men and women to complement each other. And the role that God calls men to in the family, in parenting, and in the church is as leaders with this very important description that it's servant leadership that we're called to exercise. It's not that we say to everyone under our charge, this is the way you do what I want. And I think that's the kind of pejorative sense that the culture has had, uh, say, in the last 30 or 40 years of men leading But really, the biblical call is for men to lead as servants. And so we've tried to be intentional as a church about making that call again. So, for instance, in Ephesians 5, the key passage on husbands and wives and their marriage relationship, 
the call for husbands is to lead sacrificially as Christ did. The call to a husband is love his wife in a way that costs him. It's not that his wife is laying down her life for him. It's that he's laying his life down for her. That's servant leadership. Or in the church, we're supposed to exercise that same thing, that the call to leaders in the church is to humility. It's to humble leadership. It's not making the most of ourselves. It's making the most of others at our cost. In Luke twenty-two twenty-six, Jesus said, and he was referring to the Gentile view of leaders. You remember, this is the Roman world, and power is everything, and standing is everything. And in contrast to that, Jesus said, it's not to be this way with you. That's not your model for leading or being important. But the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest and the leader like the servant. So this is Jesus' model. And by the way, it's easy for us to lose sight of this or track of this. Lion and Lamb, the name of our church, that's, that's helpful. It's Jesus in his humility, the Lamb, who came to die for our sins, and it's Jesus the Lion, the one who returns as conquering king. But friends, the truth is right now, our model, our model for our life is the humble servant of Isaiah. Jesus returns as conquering king, but, but we're not in the possession of that kingdom yet. And so our model for life is his lowly servant role. That's what we're called to. If you look at your life and you say, I'm not a typical, typified as serving others, then I can tell you without further thought that you're not following Jesus because he calls us to this humble servant role towards each other. Whether we lead or not, we're following the humble crucified Savior. He comes back as the glorified king, but that's not the king we're following yet. We're following him in his humility. We'll return with him in his glory. That'll be good. But right now, we take the lowly spot as our Savior did. If we're not willing to do that, we can't say that we're following him. We hope to, and uh, I hope that if Lion Lamb is your home, you'll plug in in some intentional way in a small group venue. You know there's all kinds of dynamics related to group size. So you guys know if you get to a group size of 200, you're at the limit of what most people can remember about names and faces right now, 200. So we're past that. You know, you come in here on a Sunday morning, you can sit in the back, you can fill a pew, you can go home, and you can interchange pleasantries, maybe at the front door, have some coffee or whatever, and you'll be unknown, and others won't know you. And that's not the kind of life God calls us to. There's dynamics on the sizes of the meetings we use. So big meetings like this, they're helpful for proclamation and corporate worship. But really, if you don't get plugged in in a smaller setting... Bluntly, you cannot obey Jesus. And I say this for this reason. There's over 50 passages in the New Testament that are called one another passages. So on your study sheet, Romans 12.10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Galatians 5.13, through love, serve one another. You can serve here on a Sunday morning, and, and thankfully many of you do. It takes a lot of people to put a service on Sunday morning. That's a good thing. But we can't in an interpersonal way serve others, love others, prefer others in honor, pray for one another if we don't know them and if they don't know us. And the venue that occurs in is in a smaller group setting. So it's men's groups, it's home groups. Some of that is in Mosaic. Some of that's in Sunday schools. But if you don't plug into something like that, I can tell you this, you cannot be, in, be obeying the New Testament because you have no mechanism whereby you're keeping those one another passages. You'll be unknown, and others will be unknown to you. So you've got to plug in intentionally, prayerfully. You've got to make that a priority, and that's a challenge certainly with most of our schedules. The fifth thing on your study sheet there is reaching out to others. This is both in communicating the gospel and in service. It's both communicating the gospel and in service. We've talked about this routinely, but most Christians are terrified to share the gospel. We're afraid to talk to others about Christ. And we shouldn't be, but that's the call. So we need to remind ourselves when we interact with others, Lord, prayerfully, is there something I can share with this person? Can I ask them about where they stand with you? Or what do they make of the big issues of life? Or when they die, where do they go? What's their understanding of all that? 
Are we willing to engage others? Really, on the only question at the end of the day that matters is what's their relationship to Christ? Are we willing to, to hold our breath, suck it up, and, and forge ahead in that conversation? We want to be intentional about that. You and I still labor under Matthew 28, verses 19 through 20. Remember, before Jesus returned to the Father, he commissioned the church through those disciples. And he said, you're to go out into all the world and you're to preach, proclaim the gospel, the good news about Jesus. You're to make disciples, you're to baptize them, and you're to teach them to obey all the things I've told you. So we live under commission to be part of proclaiming Christ, the good news of the gospel to the folks around us. We've got to be intentional about that. Along with that, Hebrews 13, 16 says, don't neglect doing good and sharing for with such sacrifices... God is pleased. God makes his sun shine on the wicked and the just because he's good. And God calls us to follow in that kind of model and simply be good and generous to others. Kent Vincent did a teaching called Reaching Out, a series called Reaching Out last year, which was really challenging. If you were there, I hope you remember some of those lessons on being wise and prayerful and thoughtful about how does God want me to reach out to others and serve them in Christ's name for Christ's cause. It's a big call for us. How are we intentionally representing Christ to others and being committed to serving others in Christ's name? And last, uh, six there on this introduction. This is just my introduction, by the way. This is where we've been. This has nothing to do with where we're going. So all of life is worship. You know, in the Old Testament, and depending if you grew up in one kind of church or another, you might grow up with a sense that in life some things are sacred and some things are secular. Some things are holy and some things aren't. But that's not true for Christians. So all of life is holy because all of it's supposed to be dedicated to God. So if you read Paul in Romans... He takes all these front-end chapters to talk about the gospel and to say what that means for us, covers a bunch of great topics. And when he gets to chapter 12 and starts applying it, he says to Christians, to you and to me, we are to see our life like a sacrifice that's been laid on the altar that goes up to God. And that sacrifice, the whole burnt offerings, you didn't take anything away. That thing went on the altar, it's God's. The whole thing is God. We're to see our life that way. Well, that changes the way we see everything. So if that's the case, there's no longer secular anything for us. There's no profane anything because everything is holy, because it's offered to God. Anything dedicated, set apart to God, is holy by its very nature. So we're to understand that our life is meant to be entirely, in its totality, set apart to God. That changes the way we see everything. Colossians 3, in two different verses, verses 17 and 23, Say, whatever you do, word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. Your work, work heartily with all your heart as if to the Lord himself. That's the attitude we're meant to bring to everything we do. So that's some of the spiritual DNA. That's some of the biblical teachings, philosophies, rationales that inform lion and lamb. They always have, and Lord willing, they always will. That's where we've been. Are you guys doing okay? Okay, so... Now, this has to do with where we're going. So I did. So we've covered some Bible. I got some verses in, so we won't go away. It wasn't just information. Okay. So that's where we've been. That's where we are. Let me talk a little bit about where we're going. Uh, ministry safe is a way of serving minors in the church that Lion and Lamb has made a commitment to, uh, really effective last year, almost a year ago. And we've been eight or nine months simply in getting ready to implement this. And this falls next Sunday, September 14th. This is when we officially implement this. You know that if you pay any attention to the news, you know the church, churches across the country, and it doesn't matter what denomination you're talking about, churches have unfortunately been places where children have been abused and also where volunteers have been falsely accused of abuse. That's another case that just came up this summer in the news, a false accusation. Ministry Safe is a way for the church to implement best practices put out by a Christian legal firm in Texas that says we take the care of your children as parents seriously 
And so we're looking at the lives of the folks that are going to serve your children. And so anyone that serves in ministry, safe at Lion and Lamb from next Sunday on, really it's already practically implemented, um, they've filled out an application. They've had two background checks done. There have been referral phone calls made. There's been personal interviews on everybody that's serving minors in Lion and Lamb. On site, in Sunday school, in nurseries, um, whatever venue we've got where we are in the care of those children, the policy now also is that a minor, a single minor, will never be in the company of a single volunteer. There will always be at least two church representatives, two volunteers who are taking care of even one child. So as a parent, you know, my child will never be alone with someone that an untoward situation could develop. But also as volunteers, we've made sure you will never be subject to a false accusation by a child because there's always going to be at least two people there. There's multiple witnesses in every vehicle in which we're caring for children at our line and lamb function. So this was a big deal. It was a little uncomfortable. We've lost some volunteers, which which I get, and that's okay. But it was our church saying we want to make sure we're bringing best practice, best consideration for kids in our midst, and also for volunteers. So I'm excited about this. We're geared up, we're ready, and this starts officially next Sunday. Another, I hope, significant uh, move that we're making as a church, and this respects uh, elders specifically, uh, related to shepherding care. This is under Roman numeral 2, number 2 on your study sheet. Shepherding care... Uh, Kent Vincent has been sort of the ramrod on a number of things at at church, and uh, this was one. Kent acts as the chairman of the elder group, and so Kent said we should be studying uh, our role as elders, and so we've been going through a book on the biblical call to serve as elders, and you know, the more we read, the more we said, uh, we're coming up short on this. Uh, We've got to raise the bar on our expectations for ourselves as shepherds in the church. And so where we want to head as a church is this. If you call Lion and Lamb your church home, we want you to have some type of, and this will vary with families and individuals and elders, we want you to have some type of regular face-to-face interchange with one of the elders at Lion and Lamb. We want anybody who calls this their church home to know there's one of the elders, by the way, one of the synonymous names for elders is shepherds, that knows me, that I interact with, that I can call or I can email, we can sit down, we can talk. I know someone in leadership knows what's going on in my life and is praying for me. Now, if you're old enough and someone in a church says, uh, we're practicing shepherding, there was something called the shepherding movement in the 70s and the 80s that for some reasons got some bad press, and this is not what we're talking about. Back in that day, In the shepherding movement, uh, church leaders are telling people who to marry, for instance. That's not what we're talking about. We're not telling you who to marry. We're not telling you what to eat or what to wear or when to go on vacation or where. Any of that stuff. We're not talking about any of that stuff. We're not talking about running your life. Okay, this is servant leadership. But this is what we are talking about. Personal interaction, knowing enough about what's going on in your life that we can offer suggestions We can challenge you when we think you need to be challenged. We can meet with you as you may find helpful. Perhaps most importantly, we can pray for you regularly and intelligently. So if Lion Lamb is your home and you're signed up on the website, we've always used our website as sort of our unofficial, this is Lion Lamb's family as the folks that have signed up and are on that website. You'd get the email posts that come out occasionally. If you're on that online sign up, you're going to be contacted by one of the elders, and it'll be soon. And just to touch base and just to start this ball rolling. Now, you're free to say, hey, thanks, but no thanks. I hope you won't. I think you'll be best served if if we all plug in on this, but you'd be free to say that. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to make that initial contact. Um, we want to be as helpful as we can be, and we want to be responsible before the Lord. There's a verse in Hebrews 13 that says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Uh, this is a big deal, you know, to whom much is entrusted, Scripture says, much is required. 
and those who shepherd Christ's church. You know, we all belong to God. So shepherds, elders, pastors, church leaders are really simply helping God's other children, right? Our other brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, Jesus says this is a big deal, so much so that when shepherds and elders stand before Jesus at the Bema seat, when he reviews the works of our life, for elders, this is something we are specifically going to give an account for. This is potentially a scary verse if you're an elder. So if you're a shepherd in the flock of Jesus and you get to heaven and Jesus says, uh, hey, how about those folks that I meant for you to help in this shepherding servant leadership role? And I say, well, I, I didn't know them very well. I prayed for them what I knew and, and that was about it. I, I don't want, and we don't want to show up at that time and say, gosh, we don't know how they were doing. We hope they got along okay, but we're not sure. There's a high call to the shepherds in the church that we will give an account. And so we want to be serious about that for our sake, frankly, but also because that's the charge Jesus gives. And all of us will one day, we will give an account to the chief shepherd. 1 Peter 5 talks about that. So if if Lion Lamb is your church home and you're not currently signed up on our website, and that means at some point, you filled out a card that has your name, your email, maybe your address or phone number, and you've turned it in, and you're getting emails from the church. If you don't get emails from this church, you're not signed up online. If this is your church home and you're not signed up, you need to do that, and we'll contact you too. This sounds kind of cold because we'll contact you, but this is just to make sure that we're covering bases with everyone that wants to be included in this, and it'll be personal from there. Because care for the church, especially from elders, starts among the elders group, we're also making some changes, uh, some just temporary, but changes related to the elder group itself. Uh, Bob Hannibal has been our treasurer for many years, and Bob has also served as an elder. Bob is stepping down from his role as an elder. He's taking that cap off. He's keeping the cap and the role of treasurer. There's no demotion. We love Bob. Bob loves us. There's no problem here. But as he's looked at the additional responsibilities that the elder group is going to be taking on, and he's looked at his time, his energies, his gifts, and his callings, he's really felt like doing the accounting and the treasurer work is what I really aspire to, enjoy doing, and feel called to. And so Bob is going to continue to do that. He'll continue to sit in on the monthly leadership meetings. So there's no demotion. Everything's good. Um, I'll mention another guy in a minute, but Bob keeps the financial skids or whatever we say of this church greased, and I don't know where we would be without him. Bob is punctilious at his job. He does a great job, and most of you would never know that if you don't get the financial reports, but he just does a super, super job. We appreciate him, but taking off one hat and keeping the other. Uh, Bill Bider is taking a break from any additional leadership roles, meaning especially in this role of shepherding. Bill heads a major state agency, and his cup overfloweth there. And so uh, Bill's not ready right now to try and take on additional responsibilities within the church. Bill will be teaching. He'll continue his teaching role in the Sunday school classes, and you'll see him occasionally up here on Sunday morning in the worship meetings as well which is no small deal. And I'll mention a little bit more on that in just a minute. And then also Bart McIntosh. Bart also had a recent promotion at work, and Bart is taking a hiatus from uh, official eldering responsibilities also for a number of months here while they sort of get their feet again at home and at work. Um, And then Bart will rejoin us, uh, Lord willing, uh, early next spring or so. So uh, Bill and Bart won't be joining in these additional responsibilities at this point. Uh, Let me mention, too, Larry's name is not on your study sheet. Uh, There was a reason, but Larry Stewart has been sitting in with the elders this year. We asked him to almost a year ago. We will propose to the body of Christ here, uh, I think it's in a couple of months officially, that we uh, intend to and want to recognize Larry Stewart as an elder. Our calendar settings on this has been... Around November, we make recommendations to the church on the guys we think should be serving in the roles of deacon and elder. We give the church a couple of months' time to respond to that, and then we lay hands on them and install them officially 
in January of the next year. And so Larry's name will be coming up for that here in just a couple of months. Uh, Larry and Trish have been, I've said this to many other people, they've been just a gift to the church. They've just uh, plugged in. They're serving in a number of ways. Mosaic is a key investment for them, but great family. We're thrilled they're here. And Larry will also be serving in this role of shepherding care as well. Still doing okay? Eyes open? Moving forward? Moving forward, okay. Uh, Third uh, point on this section is doctrinal emphasis in teaching and Sunday school. We've always taught the Bible, that's what we do. But we want to bring sort of a a conscious uh, program, if you will, to teaching doctrine specifically, and that's going to occur in both the Sunday school venue, it's also going to occur here in the worship meetings as well. If I say doctrine, some of you yawn internally because it sounds boring. And doctrine really just means a belief. So if I say to you, we're going to teach about what we believe, that probably sounds less boring to you. And guys, this is the thing. You believe certain things, whether you've ever articulated them, whether you could tell someone else what you believe about a certain thing, you have a set of beliefs and they determine what you think and how you think and what you do. So we're just saying as a church, we want to bring greater intentionality to teaching what the Bible says systematically in these really key areas of life. That's doctrine, but it's really just beliefs. And so we're going to be bringing more focus in both Sunday school and worship meetings to this area of doctrine. In Sunday school, and by the way, this starts next Sunday. You guys remember, next week, not here, Care Paravel, not 10.30, 9.30, come early. Don't be rushed next Sunday. Come early. Have some coffee. Get your donuts. Get your kids to the right Sunday school class. Okay, so we're, there's no hurry. There's no rush, and we're plugging in. This starts next Sunday. Sunday school restarts next Sunday. So next Sunday in Sunday school, Bill Bider, uh, Godly Living in an Ungodly World, will be this first five-week session. And Bill's going to cover topics like spiritual warfare, the role of the Holy Spirit, the company we keep, and frankly, a number more that uh, too many for me to mention right now. That's the traditional Sunday school class starting next week for adults. Next winter, I believe this will start in January, the topic will be all things eternal. Bill will be covering topics like heaven, hell, and the resurrection, eternal rewards and judgment, inheritance in Christ's security, and much more also. You know, part of our goal in this, if you came to Lion and Lamb for two years, you'd hear all the major doctrines the foundational doctrines in the Bible. That's the goal. If you're here two years, you'll, you'll hear it all. In the hybrid Sunday school class, which will be the end of November and into December, we're going to continue with the True You curriculum, looking at the reliability of the Scriptures. Do you know why the Scriptures can be trusted? If someone challenges you that you can't really believe the Bible, do you know why you can? That's what that'll be covering. That's with the Mosaic group, which is middle school and up through adults. And also sort of the genesis of a lot of what we're talking about this morning is the teaching series that starts next Sunday. That series is titled, Here We Stand. If you're students of history, you know that when Martin Luther was called to give account at the diet of worms, that's not the plate where we're eating worms out of the ground, that's the Roman Catholic tribunal held in Germany at which he had to give an account For his teachings, he famously said, Here I stand, I can do no other. And so this teaching series is called Here We Stand. There are six topics that we'll cover here, and we'll cover six more in 2015 to start off the school year as well. But in the next six weeks, Steve Green will kick us off next Sunday with what does the Bible say about the Trinity? You know, the Trinity as a term is never used in the Bible. How do Christians say We believe in a triune God. Steve will start that next week on the Trinity. Kent Vincent will follow on the topic of church leadership. Church leadership's a big thing. Church leadership here at this church looks a little different than most other churches. There's a reason for that. Kent will be talking about that the following week. Servant leadership by Larry Stewart will follow that. That's the same weekend as the men's advance. So if you're a guy, go hear Jimmy Agin. Come hear Larry here. And you'll get the big picture on servant leadership. The following week after that, I'll speak on the gospel. 
Bill Bider will follow that, talking about sanctification. That's a big term, isn't it? Theologically laden, probably makes us uh, bored to tears too, sanctification. But if I tell you it just means that you're holy, it means to grow in being holy. And depending on where you've come from and, and how the term holy sounds, that may not even sound good either. But if I tell you that that means that you're becoming less sinful, you're experiencing less death, you're becoming more like Christ, you're getting more life, and you're getting more joy, then maybe that makes a difference to you. Well, that's what we're talking about. That's what sanctification does for us. And then last, I will speak on spiritual disciplines as the means by which we grow. How do we grow? What does that look like? Uh, Mosaic and then college. On Mosaic, Larry Stewart and Ken Camille will be teaching Sunday school in the traditional session, cat and dog theology. I haven't read this, but everybody I've talked to about this that has, has absolutely loved it. So in the Sunday school sessions for Mosaic, middle school and high school, they're going to be going doctrinally into cat and dog theology. And then also on their midweek meetings, I may have this wrong, guys, but the Camillas and the Stewarts will be going through Ephesians, and I I think C.S. Lewis is in there somewhere too. Okay, so really focused, good content in the Mosaic group as well. And last, sort of talking about what each group in church will be going through. Uh, This church hired Steve Green in January of this year. Steve was here, a part of this church, before he went to seminary. And our deal was, Steve, we want to support what you're doing in the future. We'll help support you through seminary. And God willing, we're open to the possibility that you'd end up back here at Lion and Lamb. And that's exactly what the Lord chose to do. And Steve works for Lion and Lamb part-time. And it was his job to start and then develop a college ministry that we would be intentionally focused on college-age students or college-age folks who are out in the working world, that Lineland would specifically target them to say, you're important and we want to serve you. Steve has done a great job on this. In the Sunday school, his Sunday school that will start next Sunday, they will be looking at the Old Testament. Next spring, they will be looking at the New Testament. They will be doing some movies with discussions to follow up in this facility, this coming fall schedule as well. Steve's other halftime hat is representing Young Life at Washburn University. So his two jobs really work hand in hand, which is great. We support Young Life as a church. Steve represents them at Washburn University campus as well. So this is a good thing. Uh, Something we've talked about as a church, um, I don't feel old, really. I I do have quite a a bunch of white hair. I've told my wife, one day people are going to see I've got half as much white hair as I do brown. But just the light, it's tricky. But I'm one of the older people in this church. I'm almost 60. And uh, fortunately, and, and, and I'm pleased about this, that if you look at the demographics of our church, my age, we're here, and then the bell curve, it, it comes up here. This is mostly uh, sort of career, child-rearing-aged people. That's the bulk of our church. And then we've got younger folks down there. We've got a lot of kids, right? We've got a lot of kids. But as far as adults, that's sort of the bell curve is in the career age, 20s and 30-somethings. Guys, we want to be intentional about reaching successive generations. And that's why I'm thrilled that my group, we're sort of, we're up here sort of minimal. Not that I have anything against my age group, you see, but, but we've got a generation that's my children's age. We've got a lot of you here. And I'm thrilled about that. Because when I'm dead and gone, God willing, you'll be carrying on the torch. But see, we also want to go a generation beyond that too. You know, the college age is when most people either come to Christ or they turn away from Christ. And we want to be intentional as a church about reaching that group of people too, to present the hope of the gospel to them as well. And that your generation, guys, that you're having kids and raising kids and working hard, that you're being intentional about reaching that next generation also. On an entirely different note, uh, we've been running a new software on Sunday mornings. So I just want to know, do you guys like the bubbles or not? When the, when the lyrics are up, you like the bubbles or not? I'm serious. Like the bubbles? Don't like the bubbles. Okay. We paid a lot of money for those bubbles. And, and uh, Eric, <laughs> yeah. Did you guys feel at the Ramada, did you feel like it was the Lawrence Welk show when you came in that first morning, the bubbles? I kind of thought Lawrence Welk. 
I'm okay with the bubbles. I'm okay with them or without them. But anyway, that's Media Shout. It's a software program that Eric Anderson has implemented for us. It's a big deal for us to change software. And Eric, like Bob, is a quiet guy that you may not know personally, but Eric helps keep this church running. And Eric has also, that was a labor of love. Media Shout, hopefully it gives us a little better ability to flow a number of different kind of venues through the projector, basically. But Eric is also will be turning out a brand new version of the Lion and Lamb website um, this fall winter. <laughs> Sometime soon, maybe in the next few months or so. I don't press Eric because he's got, he's got a full plate too. But our website is just so pivotal for the life of this church. People listen to teachings. We communicate with each other through that. That's all Eric's baby. And I've said this before, I pray for Eric. I pray that God continues his life. If Eric dies, we're in trouble. But pray, pray for Eric. But new software on Sunday morning and a brand new website coming out a little later this fall yet. Uh, budget, we have increased our uh, budgetary requirements this year notably. When we took Steve on, we knew this was a big financial commitment to he and his family, no small thing. Also, we have had so much work, uh, the ministry, safe development, a number of other things we've done. Patty Ann's hours to this church, Patty Ann Weinkoff, who serves as our administrative assistant, have just jumped dramatically. And fortunately, she's been able and available to do the the, uh, numerous jobs we've given to her. But our budget has risen dramatically. We are a very conservative church financially. Uh, We've never been in debt. We've never taken loans. Anything we do, we've paid cash. We will spend uh, deficit spending this year. And we knew that, and that was okay. We've got financial reserves, and that's not a problem. But going forward, we would not continue to spend deficit indefinitely. This would be a short-term thing. So I say this to say this. If Lion and Lamb is your home, we ask you to prayerfully, generously, and regularly support the church in your finances. We say very little about finances. We don't take a collection. The box is at the back. But if this is your church home, this is one of the things God wants for you. It's to serve the church financially, prayerfully, regularly, generously. By the way, if you do that already, this is so important. Um, For some of us, it's easy to give a check or to make a financial donation. It's easy, easier for some of us than others. Yeah. We want to be committed to serving each other in all ways. So we want to serve each other too. For some of us, giving a check is easy, but we're not in any other way plugged in in serving others in the body. So please don't hear this. Give your money. We're not saying that. But if this is your church home, we want you to support your church home regularly, generously, and prayerfully. We also want you plugged in serving others. If Lion and Lamb is your church home, you should be intentionally plugging in in a way that you can be serving others. Again, we follow a servant savior. And last on this lengthy list, Lion and Lamb West, we're we're glad for this facility. Again, you guys know this this property was given to us. We've prayed about a, a church property for many years, and out of the blue, God just brings some Christians to us, and they say, do you want this building and this property? And we thought long and hard and said, well, okay, okay. But there's a lot of responsibilities with this as well. There's financial commitments that we've got here. Some repairs have already been started here. There's a number of things that still need to take place in the building. Uh, We don't fit in here on Sunday mornings well. A lot of you are are not going to feel the love when we go back to Care Paravel because you've liked the smaller setting. You can hear each other, and, and I get that. We can't, this facility isn't big enough for potlucks and Sunday school. And so that's why I'm glad we can return to Care Prevail because the rest of the body life, the rest of the family life of the church can occur because there's adequate space there. So we'll be back there next Sunday. But let let me uh, seriously ask for your prayer for the leadership related to decisions related to this property going forward. Do we lease the property because we're not in here on Sundays? If so, to who? How much do we put in this property by way of repairs and upgrades? Do we attempt to build a new building on this property? So there's a lot going on. We're looking at a lot of these options and would sure ask for your prayer 
along those lines. <clears throat> Let me close on this note. Sometimes uh, I'll go home and I will say to Kathy, man, that was such a great service. I feel so encouraged. And, and by that, what I'm really saying is, you know, Sean chose songs that I really like. And, uh, and Kent spoke on something I really enjoyed hearing about. And, and, um, and I talked with some people who made me feel good about myself. And, 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 and church was really encouraging, which really means church was all about me. And I, and I went home feeling good about me. And, you know, that's just, again, that's not what God calls us to, is it? And, and I hope that for anyone in any service at Lion Lamb, I hope that you would come in and you would be challenged and encouraged by what's said, by the songs, by the interaction with others. I hope that's a given. I hope that always takes place. I hope on any given Sunday you can go home and say, man, that was so encouraging. I, either I felt challenged or the songs really were some of my favorites. I hope that happens to you regularly. But here's the deal. Worship, by definition, isn't about me. Right? By definition, worship is about God. So if I say I went to the worship service and I went away delighted, that may say nothing about whether worship occurred or not. Worship is about us giving God his due. Worship is about us ascribing to God his excellencies. The real question is, was God happy with the worship service? That would be the key question to ask. Not did I go away happy, did God go away, as it were, happy? When we put services together, um, you know if you've raised a family, you got married, let's say, and you think you know your spouse, but then you find out they were holding back. You, you really didn't know them. Didn't know them that well, right? They were holding, holding back on you. And you get to know your new spouse, and your marriage looks a little different than you thought it would. And then let's say you start having kids. You know, you don't order your kids. They come out, don't they? And they've got their own mind, their own will. They're, they're bents that really so much of what they bring, you didn't, you didn't ask for. You didn't say, God, this is what I want. That's just them, right? So your family... There's some ways that you can hedge it and sort of define it, but there's ways in which you can't, and it's based on who God's chosen to bless you with. Well, for us as a church family, guys, you probably already know this, but we have great diversity in what we consider attractive or desirable. So, for instance, there's some of you here that you love to sing hymns, and only hymns. I know who you are. I've watched watched your mouths. And then there are others of you that you want this year's contemporary praise and worship songs on Sunday mornings, and you're going away disappointed if they're not there. Now, can you see where this puts us? So if my goal is that my songs get sung on Sunday morning, I'm in trouble because now I'm pitted against another part of the body of Christ, aren't I? Or how about this one? Some of you are in this church because we do what's called integrated Sunday school. Some of you came to this church for integrated Sunday school, which Bart runs, by the way. Thank Bart, because he, he carries that whole deal. You're here for integrated Sunday school, and you love it. But do you know what? There's some others of you, you're not feeling the love, because I've talked to you too. So, so, you know, what do we do with that? So you like integrated and I don't. Maybe I should just go to another church. Maybe you should go to another church. You know, um, sometimes I think about the church, it's like a pie. You know, if you saw a pie from a distance, you just see the round shape, you see the pie. If you get up close and somebody slices it, you say, oh, well, no, there's actually pieces of this pie. Or if you see a mosaic from a difference, you know, mosaic made up of little tiles from a distance, looks like one solid image. You get up closer and you say, oh, no, it's actually made of all these little pieces. Well, that's what life in the church is like. And guys, the truth is we don't all like the same thing. We don't all want the same thing. And so part of us being a body and a family of God together means I'm glad if we come in on a Sunday morning and you're blessed because we sang hymns. I'm glad. I'm glad that someone else was encouraged 
right? Prefer one another in honor. Serve one another in love. This is what we're talking about. So we are making accommodations for each other in what we value. We, we have tried to be intentional. We, this church life, it is cut up like a pie. The reason for that is because of the variety of interests you guys have. No one's trying to keep someone else from getting what they want. We're actually trying to wisely give most or all of you some of what you really like and enjoy. But none of us are going to get everything we think, that's really what makes it for me. So I would just encourage you, can we come together in Jesus' name and sing the songs of Zion and be okay if it's an old one or a new one? if it's declaring God's excellencies. And if we know that in that diversity, we're actually serving and encouraging others. Is that okay? Because that's the call, isn't it? So as a church, we've tried to be shrewd about this. We've tried to make a place for everyone. We've been very intentional about this. We're always going to miss the mark. I mean, always. Pathetically, right? Yes, pathetically. But, But that's where we're headed. So I hope that gives you some sense, both if you're newer to, to what we value, some of our foundational elements, but also where we're going as a church. And so we want to go there together. My dad, I've, I've spoken on this at least once, but, you know, I'm one of 11. And, you know, a couple of you know what that's like in here. So one of 11, you know, you're walking the downtown streets of Topeka, the cars are going by, and my dad, you know, he'd say, children, we'd stop at the, at the curb. He'd say, children, how do we go? We go together. So you got to hold hands and you go across together and safely you get there together. And so this is both a reminder of where we've been, where we are, but also an invitation that we want to move forward and we want to do that together, okay? Father, we love and bless you. You have loved and blessed us. Lord, ultimately in the life and the death and the resurrection of your Son, and the offer of eternal life we have because of him. Lord Jesus, would you help us to value you, the lion and the lamb. Lord, would you by your Spirit conform us more fully to your image. Lord, would you help us to bless and honor you in how we do church, in how we express love and affection, worship and devotion to you in a way that honors you Lord, to love you, the only true God, and then, Lord, to turn around and love those we sit next to and sing with, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.